We're going to be reading out of Psalm 133. A song of a sense of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the beautiful weather, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Father. I thank you that you show up here when some people maybe don't want to come here, Father, but you, you're faithful, and you show up every day, Lord. You show up, you show up in, in every one of our moments. I pray, Lord, that you just, you use my words, Father, that, that this, um, the studying that I did, Father, and the, 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 the things I put together, Father, and my lack, Father, I pray that you, that you make up for the lack, Father. I pray that you just take my words and that they will be like an arrow to the person that needs to hear it, Lord. I thank you, for you are good. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Now you may be seated. And I realize some of you are looking at me thinking, who are you? Um, it has been a long time since I've been here. Um, my name is Valerie Kiker. Um, you have the opportunity and the pleasure of seeing my husband um, the last four weeks. It's my turn. Um, so, so I'm going to get all my stuff out. And I will say, I do talk fast. So I usually tell one person, to, and I'll make eye contact with Val. And if I talk too fast, just tell me to slow down. Um, I just talk fast. So this morning, um, I am speaking on unity. And I'm going to go ahead and just read our scripture um, one more time, and then we'll get started. Um, Psalms 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Um, as I was studying for this, I've, I picked this, this chapter, um, and I've read this chapter in Psalms probably a dozen times, maybe more, um, but I never really thought about the fact that unity is compared to oil being poured on somebody's head. Like I thought, okay, Lord, why is, it, why is it that good? Like, why is it that pleasant? So as I did a little studying, um, the oil that was used was very fragrant, and it was very precious. Um, and it was literally poured liberally on Aaron's head. Um, and one thing the oil represents in, in this verse is God's grace and his love for Aaron. And that picture alone, like, if, like as I was reading it again after I figured that out, and I was reading it again, I just thought, okay, I know when I cook, just the oil, I, I'm, I'm very like stingy with it. Like, I don't want that much oil. But the Lord wasn't like that. He just, the Lord said, pour it out and be liberal with it. And that is like my love and my grace for you. And I think I could probably stop there because that, that in and of itself is like, it's a revelation. The Lord isn't stingy. Um, he's not looking at me saying, oh, Val, I used your blessing on Val, I got you confused, I got the Val's confused, which happens quite a bit. He's not like that. He's like, there's enough for Val, and there's enough for me, and there's enough for Pescor, and there's enough for everybody. Um, so some of you don't know, some of you do know, I teach VPK at the preschool here. Um, so I have 20 kids in my classroom. There's 45 in the building at any time. Um, preschoolers are very, can be very stingy. Um, so we have an abundance, I was thinking about this, crayons. Like we've got crayons everywhere. There's crayons all over the place. And if one little child has a basket of crayons and it's in front of this person and that child wants a crayon, they'll say, can I have a crayon? Can I have the crayons? 
I've seen a child pick out one, out of his 50, pick out one crayon and give it to him. And then she, I'm like, you can share, you can share. That's how we think of the Lord sometimes. Lord, there's not enough. Can I just have one little thing? And he's like, Val, I want to give you all of the crayons. I want to give you all of my love and all of my grace. And it's there for the taking, but we just don't take it. Um, that's something different. But the Lord does that. The Lord is that liberal and he is that loving for us. Um, unity is the ability to bond together with others in a community despite differences in race, in culture, or in theological differences. Unity, living and doing life together with those in our community should be that life-giving. It should be that pleasant to us. It should be that pleasurable. I'm not saying that it's easy because it's not easy, and I'll get to that in a little bit, but it should be that refreshing and it should be that pleasant for everybody involved. In my family, um, I have four children. Um, I have two other boys that are living with me, two other children, um, and they are not children. They are young men, but they are in my house, and they're younger than me, so they're children. Um, so they're my children. But so it is a loud, I have, any of time, there's eight of us living there, um, and it's loud. And when we do get the opportunity for all of us to be together, to sit down and eat dinner together, um, I can tell when we are in unity. Because even though there's eight of us at the table, and it's loud, and it's talking, um, we complement each other. So I can talk, and the kids can talk, and, and, and it's, it's complementing each other. Like, we, we, we fit together, and that's unity. Except when it's not, um, I can tell when we're not unified, too. Because I will make something for dinner, or there will be conversation comes up, and even though, let's say, mac and cheese or mashed potatoes, I will have made it hundreds of times. One child will say, I don't like that. Well, we all know they like it. They're just being how, what we call in our family, they're feeling their Wheaties. They're feeling fresh. They just don't want to be in community. They don't want to be unified. They're just that in that attitude, that mood. Um, it could come out and we watch a movie or whatever it is. Whatever it is, I can tell in my family when we're just not unified. And at that time, we have to stop, bring everyone back down, bring them back here, what's going on, and figure it out. Because there's an issue, there's an underlying issue, and we've got to get the bottom of it. But I can tell. So that's how unity looks in my family. Um, I am currently in school, um, and there has been many times, ongoing still, um, to me that I can count when I have not been able, I just can't get to everything in the house, I can't cook, I can't clean, um, I can't go grocery shopping, and my kids, for the most part, do not complain, except when there's just not enough food. They do, they do complain about that. There's always never enough food, but they do support me. Um, my kids will come and sit at the table with me, um, ask questions about my school, and they, I know they could care less about half of what I'm learning, but they still, they're interested. And that is what families, not just my family, but a community, that's what we do. We support each other. We look out for each other. We build each other up. We are take interest. My kids don't care about half the stuff that I learn, but they take interest because they know it interests me. I sit and listen to them. Most of the time I have to ask, what are you saying? Because there's a little phrase, I have no idea, but I'm sitting and I'm listening and I'm engaged because I know that it interests them. Um, living in unity with a family that resides in your house, it is a little bit differently than living with a community outside your house. Um, but the fundamentals are the same. Unconditional love, a vulnerability that can at times be scary, a reliance, a reliance on each other, and not to further ourselves, but to further, and not even the others, but to further the Lord. John 17, 20 and 23 says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, 
that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may also, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When I read that, I thought, we do all of this not to further ourselves, but to further the Lord. And this is just a great way that we have and, and, and almost like a tangible way that we have to do this. Tim Keller puts it like this. Friendship is a deep oneness that develops when two people speaking the, the truth and love to one another journey together to the same horizon. What is that journey? That journey is life. What is the horizon? It's the Lord. We walk together to the cross, to the Lord, and that's what binds us. And I even, one of his quotes, I couldn't find it, but he even says, it's two, it's two people totally un, unlike each other, with no common interests except for the Lord. The Lord in and of itself is enough to bind us together, and we're walking their way to him. How do we foster community in our, how do we foster unity in our community? I've picked out three ways. By being vulnerable, by being available, and by loving well. Being vulnerable may come easy to you, or it may be something that you really struggle with. Um, like Pastor Dan said earlier, I struggle with being vulnerable. Like I, I, and I sometimes I'm working on it, I'm, the Lord's helping me. It comes with a, first of all, a realization that I need help. Um, a sec- second of all, it comes with first, and also if I have to be aware of what I need. If I don't take time just to sit down and say, okay, Lord, what do I need today? I'm not going to be able to help ask my husband or my children, guys, I need you to do this for me today. I don't know. Take it outside the family. If I don't know what I need help with, or if I don't take time to, to figure out what I need, when someone asks me, what can I help you with? I won't know, that. I won't know the answer to it. So I first have to figure out what, that, what my need is. But being vulnerable is showing each other that you may not have everything together. It means showing up or acknowledging to people that you need help. And that sometimes can be a big one. Um, I think sometimes, especially for women, it's hard to acknowledge that we don't have everything together. Um, my daughter, sometimes when I have to work super early, it's like, guys, I can't make your lunch. You gotta make your own lunch. And there are sometimes when they go to school and they make their own lunch, my daughter, my, my daughter, my youngest daughter, she said her, her, her friends say, I can tell when your mom is making lunch for you because you come with like, I don't even know what she packs in her lunchbox. I'm almost embarrassed to even ask because I'm not making the sandwich and I come home and, the, and all the fruit I laid on the table is still there. So again, I don't even know what you pack. But that's okay because it's okay. But that's me being vulnerable. That's me being honest with you right now. Um, being available. Um, was I was typing my notes, I almost put on here being available with our resources as well as our time. But I think in this day and age, we are almost freer with our resources than we are with our time um, because we are just a busy people. We're just busy. Um, I heard a podcast and one lady said, it's almost when someone says, how are you? It's almost our standard answer. I'm good, just busy. Like that's just it, we're busy. And we are busy people, I understand that. But so being available means also being available with our time that I do know is precious. Um, it means being available with our resources. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Dallas Willard said, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. 
I can tell when we are at the dinner table and one of them starts, my children starts getting a little lippy, it may be for attention. They're not getting the attention, and then we all stop and we come back, but we come back to the attention, the attention, and that is the first act of love, is giving somebody the attention. We all, want to, we all basically want to know that we matter, and that's the giving of attention. By loving well, um, loving well doesn't mean being a pushover. It doesn't mean um, accepting everybody's, we accept everybody, but when we get them in our community and we are in unity, it then means looking at someone saying, you're doing this wrong. Doing it, saying it lovingly, but saying, you're wrong here, or you're wrong here, or let me help you do it this way. Um, that's what loving well means. Loving well means that we we are able to speak into each other's lives. We're able to confront somebody when we, when we see something. Um, it also means, loving well to me, also means, it means when we ask somebody, like I think Pastor Corey said, when we ask somebody, how are you? you? We don't get the one, I'm good. Looking at their face, you can tell she's not good. Like, she needs help. She needs prayer. And we stop right there and we pray for them. That to me is loving well because it, it's not easy. It's not comfortable the first time you do it. But if you do it, like you practice it, it then becomes easy. And that's what unity is, is that we look, we look in our community and we see the need and we take care of that need. Thomas Burton says, our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. That is not our business, and in fact, it is nobody's business. What we are asked to do is to love, and this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbor worthy. That's basically it. It's not, our, it's not, our, it's not us to judge. A.W. Tozer said, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they possibly could be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for fellowship. And just hearing that, and I can come here, I can come every Sunday, I don't always come Eastside, I'm usually in Central City, but I can just sit back and I just think we have the best worship team. Um, I'm a little biased because two of my boys are usually up on stage, <laughs> but we have the best worship team. Yeah. Um, and it's because everybody up there and whether or not they, they're the women they, they rotate, whoever, the teams that we have, we are, they are not looking at each other, they are, they are tuned to the Lord. They're looking at him. He is the standard. And every time we come up here, every, every word we say, every scripture we, we utter, it's not to give ourselves the glory, including the worship team. It's to give the Lord the glory. Um, because I do have so many children in my house, my house is never quiet. Um, two, of my, two of my four children um, play instruments so when you come in, the only time it's quiet is if most of them are at school. Um, so when you come in my house, there is usually a piano or a guitar, a harp or a flute being played, um, radio being on. Now it's Christmas music coming on. Like, there's always something. Um, again, I can tell when my kids are in unity with each other because they complement each other. And they don't, I mean, I'm like literally like, you're doing a great job, Addison. I mean, like they just, they work together. It's almost as if, and the noise doesn't bother me, but it's almost as if the noise 
Not almost, it is. The noise is pleasing to the Lord, and I know that it is, um, because even in the, the loudness, there's still a peace about it. Again, except when there's not. Um, and then you've got somebody on the flute playing louder than the guitar because she wants to be heard, or the radio getting a little bit louder every song. Um, it's a fight, it's a fight. It's, that, it's contentious, and that's how a community is when there is disunity. That's how community is when there's a fracture, it's like they're, they're, the noise is there, which is fine, but it's just a fracture. And we can all feel the tension. In my house, you can feel the tension. Um, somebody has to come out and for, come and step forward and say, there's, there's, again, there's an issue. What is the issue? And that's never an easy thing, but it is a needed thing. Um, when I think about what can be accomplished when a group of people willing to set aside differences and the preferences that they have and focus on the Lord, wanting to do something for him, I get, I just get excited. I think it's, it's amazing just to hear um, the, the different stories that we have um, in, in the church of people that are doing something. Like they, they're, they're united, they're coming together to do something. Um, in, my, in my classes, I am taking a women's history course. Um, and I was reading at Starbucks, and I often go to Starbucks because... It's easier to do schoolwork there. Um, and I was reading, and it, my professor did a paper on um, the woman's right to vote. And as I was reading her paper, I just started crying in Starbucks. And, and I do cry quite often, but usually not in Starbucks over, like, textbooks. Um, but I was, and I was, I was crying. And I thought, in, 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 her, in her paper, she was basically saying, um, the women were, were fighting for the right to vote, but the women themselves were fractured. They were basically fighting against each other and how they were getting it done, along with getting their rights. Once they, they realized, okay, we're not doing anything, doing this, fighting together, when they came together and worked together, a couple years later, years later, they then were able to do something to get women the right to vote. That, that's what made me tear up. I thought, okay, Lord, as I try to cover my crazy hair with my, my, my eyes, I thought, okay, Lord, why am I crying? And I thought, just to think what we can do when we come together. Yeah. This wasn't a small thing. This was a big thing. But big thing, small thing, whatever it is. When we come together and work together, instead of fighting each other, that's unity. And look what happened in history. Look what happened. But then on the way to, on the way to church this morning, there was a song um, I was listening to. And part of the song, part of the chorus said, um, you make my heart come alive. And I thought... That's why I was crying. The fact that this is possible. And this was history. This was over 100 years ago that this example took place. But this could happen. Something like this. I mean, this it could happen today. And this is why I was crying. Because he, this example made my heart come alive. It was excitement. It was like, okay, Lord, if this can happen, if these women can get together and do here, just what could the, the women of Journey get together and do? What could we do? Like, I just, my heart just... He got so excited. Um, as I said before, um, unity is hard. Um, we must daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes minutely, we must choose the betterment of our community over ourselves. And that is hard because sometimes we want what we want and we want it now. And I don't care what you want. I want this. That's not unity. We have to put the other others in front of ourselves. And I'm not saying to be unhealthy in doing it. Um, come back to time, I do know that we are 
We are busy. Um, and there are some times when I, I had to figure out when was it okay to say no to things. Um, I don't like saying no to anybody. I would just take, 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 take on task and take on this and that, especially at work. Um, I just, do, I just took it all because going back to vulnerability, I didn't want to ask for help. Um, so it took me, my husband and the Lord, saying, you can, you can say no, you can rest, and it's going to be okay. Whether or not this gets done, it's okay. Whether or not it's going to, it's not going to, it's not that big a deal. But that's, so I don't mean take, take, take on responsibility and tasks. That's not healthy. But what I do mean is we can give up a Saturday and go help um, a yard sale. If someone's having a yard sale, we can do that. Or we can go up and show up at the yard sale and spend money for the yard sale. That's giving of our time. Um, we can give up our resources. But putting the community first by being unified, we daily have to make that choice. It's a daily choice. Um, sometimes we are going to get hurt by being in a community. Um, people being open and loving well and being vulnerable and being available means you put your heart out there and you put your trust in somebody or you're giving your trust to somebody and that person may not appreciate your appreciate you. It may not appreciate your offering. They may not appreciate your time. But we do it anyways because we're not doing it for that person. We're doing it for the Lord. Um, it's a daily, okay, do I want to be in this community when, I'm, when I've been hurt, when I've been burned? Is loving the Lord and being part of a community worth the heartache? And yes, it is. It is hard, but then when you have the community, the heartbreak, you go back to community, and there's somebody there that can comfort you. Um, on a, and I'm almost done, but on a practical level, what does unity look like? Um, I was thinking... Okay, Lord, I have all these sayings and quotes. What does it look like? Um, and as I was thinking, I thought unity for, for, for us um, in our community would look like a change in our city. Um, and a, it would be a, a physical change. Um, it could mean we do something to end child hunger in the city. Um, it could mean that we make an impact on homelessness in Tampa. Um, it could mean that we make a difference for the sheer volume of numbers of children in the foster care system. That's how we physically make a change. That's how practically, this is what it means. Um, it may not mean you foster child, but if you know someone foster child, you give that person a break. You financially help that, that person. Um, you come in for Christmas, and I'm talking to myself too, you come in for Christmas and you help numerous families buy Christmas presents. Um, that's practically what it means on a broader scale, practically for journey what it means, and I was, I was thinking for journey, practically what it means, and I, I already said before, but it means showing up on a Sunday, and when you see somebody, or you hear that somebody had a bad week, you go up to them, and you don't take the pat, I had a good week, or I'm good. No, you're really not good, and you, but, you, but you press in, and you show that person that you care, and you pray for them, and you're there for them. Um, Unity Churchwide, and... and you guys do good, so I'm not, I'm not talking about you, about you guys. But, but I was thinking, unity for church, what would that look like if none of our children's workers had to work more than once a month? That would be amazing. Because, yeah, thank you. It would be amazing, I'm sure. And you guys may not. I honestly don't know. But uh, up and honestly, for years, who, I mean, if you're with your, ki your kids all week or you're with, I'm with 45 kids all week, sometimes the last thing you want to do is go back on a Sunday and work with kids. 
But there is a need, and once you're back there, you love it. And the kids teach you stuff, but that's what community looks like. That's what unity looks like. There is a need. I see the need. I'm going to fill that need. I'm not going to go to me or Pastor Dan or my husband and say, there's a need. Now, sometimes that, that's, that's, you have to do that. But if someone gets a flat tire on the side of the road, you don't have to call me. Fix a flat tire. Go, go do it. There's a need. Go do it. That's what unity looks like. Um, also, unity here means when you, and again, you guys are great, great going out and hanging out, you guys. Do, you guys do fellowship. Amazing. I, I don't know the men very much, what you, what you guys do, but I know the women. You women love getting together. You do marathons together, and you jog together, and you, there's so much that you guys do together. I'm saying take it one step further and ask that person that you just don't really like very much to go with you. And like someone said earlier, Pastor Joey said, pay for them when you're getting coffee at Starbucks. That's unity. That's coming together. And even though this person is not your favorite, you are going to show them love anyways because the Lord loves us just that much.